Welcome back to the Explominate Podcast. On this episode, Sean and I sit down with Adelaide from Brace Yourself Games. She's the creative lead on a game called Phantom Brigade, a tactical turn-based mecha game that we're really excited to talk about. So stay tuned. Welcome to the Explominate Podcast. Welcome, friends, to the Explorative Podcast. I am your host, Rob, and joining me tonight is my co-host, Sean. Welcome, Sean. Hey, how's it going? It's going well, man. Thanks for being here and joining us from the next day. How is it over there? Yeah, no, it's all right. Weather's warming up. It's pretty nice here, actually. Nice. And tonight, we are joined by Adelaide, who is the creative lead for Brace Yourself Games and is currently working on the game Phantom Brigade. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Nice to meet you guys. Nice to meet you. Well, so there's a lot of questions. I'd like Sean to start off with some of them because I know that he and you have been talking a little bit behind the scenes. So, Sean, I'm going to turn it over to you. Go ahead, buddy. All right, cool. Yeah, first off, I thought I'd just get an idea of what you are doing for Brace Yourself Games uh, as part of the Phantom Brigade project and what Phantom Brigade is. Right. Well, that's actually lots of things to answer. So I guess I'll start with my role. I am creative lead at Brace Yourself and... Specifically, I'm in charge of Phantom Brigade, so I do a lot of things, um, design, programming, team management, stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's fun and very challenging. Phantom Brigade is an interesting project. Uh, in terms of the game itself, it's actually a we-go turn-based game, so you plan your actions in five-second intervals, and all of the actions play out simultaneously. The core conceit is that you actually can see into the future about five seconds, not perfectly, but that allows you to deal with what would otherwise be overwhelming odds. So you can outsmart and outmaneuver the much better equipped enemy forces and then capture their gear and use it to fight them. That's the general idea, at least. And the general gist too, is that you're running like you're basically uh, rebels almost, and you're fighting against someone else. I don't want to give too much away and maybe you could fill it in the Mm -hmm. gaps, but like you're, you're like this upstart rebel group that's trying to like create its own little army with mechs, right? Well, actually, you're what is left of your home country's defense forces. So your country is invaded in the beginning of the game and they lose pretty much completely. So the entire place is conquered and all that's left is this one squad of special forces that hasn't surrendered even after the war has ended. And you're fighting this sort of guerrilla war to try to inspire the people of your country to rise up and help you retake your homeland. Right. If we could go back in time a little bit to start with, originally Phantom Brigade was developed under a different studio, which was Tetragon Works, which you guys worked for. And then it was basically a completely different game. So how did being acquired by Brace Yourself Games affect development of the game? Well, it affected it pretty significantly. When we originally designed Phantom Brigade, we did so in a way that was very safe. And the reason why we did that is that when you have like a limited development budget, you have a limited amount of time. And it was our first game as a studio. 
we wanted to make sure that we didn't have too many unknowns in the design. So it was very much inspired by traditional turn-based games, you know, things that are very atomic, stuff more like XCOM. There's a lot of established designs to sort of base it off of and get inspiration from. Of course, we wanted to do our own take on that and innovate as much as possible. But one of the things that was super cool about mechs to me is how fast they are in games like Front Mission. You know, you watch these phenomenal cutscenes of these mechs like sliding around, almost ice skating, very kinetic, very fast paced. And then you get into combat and, you know, it's PlayStation 1 at the time, but it was almost like rocket sock and robots, you know, like you just kind of take your pose, you shoot, the other mech like takes the hit and they kind of just trade blows back and forth. Um, so we wanted to do something that was very cinematic that felt like you were watching an episode of like Eat the Mess Team or something like that. But we knew that it was too ambitious to try to do with the budget that we have and the resources because... At the time, Tetragon Works was only a few people in the studio full time. And so we really didn't have too many people. We didn't have a lot of money either. So we were very conservative with the design, but we always wanted to go in this direction of like a really fast paced, kinetic, cinematic experience. So when we merged with Brace Yourself Games, we suddenly actually had funding. We were able to hire up the talent we needed to be able to pull off such a complicated animation system. And to take the time to develop this new combat system. Right, yeah. And I, I'm assuming that with some money behind that, you can start to mm -hmm. actually do some of the things you were not able to do before, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, there was a lot of unknowns with this design. Like, how do you do a WeGo experience with mechs? Like, how do we do the prediction UI? And we settled on something that was more analogous to almost directing your own mecha anime. So you very much like plan out what you want to do. You can preview it, scrub through the timeline. Uh, a lot of those sort of analogies started to make a lot of sense. And we were able to create like a very cinematic experience with the mechs like dashing around, smashing into each other. It's pretty, pretty exciting in comparison to the earlier prototypes. If you see some of the footage on YouTube and things like that. Yeah, I remember seeing the footage the first time and I was like, wow, that looks amazing. So you definitely yeah. got caught everyone, well, at least my attention with just having mechs dash, like, dashing around and beating each other up and shooting each other. So I'm curious to know, I know that when you were with Tetragon Works, you guys were located somewhere else, right? And now with you Brace Yourself, you guys have moved? Yeah, I'm saying we're located somewhere else is kind of, well, I mean, we were located all over the place, frankly. Um you know, some of the team was in Seattle, Washington in the United States, and then a lot of the team was international in Russia. So, you know, we were working completely different time zones, trying to find ways to coordinate and work together and stuff. And yeah, it was, uh, it was tricky. So you guys all work remotely then? So you're not all in one studio? It's all, you guys are all just sort of in various locations? No, so we used to be completely remote. But one of the nice things about Brace Yourself Games is we were able to bring the entire team together. So we were distributed across the world, but now we are all located in Vancouver. So we actually have the all team together. Like until this whole coronavirus thing happened, we were actually able to work in the office and, you know, face to face, which was real nice. Yeah, you guys have been really, really open the whole time that you always, in, since moving to Brace Yourself Games, you always intended to launch into early access on the Epic Store, like Industries of mm -hmm. Titan did as well, from Brace Yourself as well. Just sort of wanted to get the developer perspective behind why you guys chose to do that. Yeah, so my thoughts about this is that, you know, we've always wanted to bring the game to Steam. We still do, but I wanted 
to always do the game as an early access title. And there's a lot of risk that's inherent with that. You know, if we're putting a game out and we're asking for money to sort of iterate on it, we wanted to be able to be sure that we actually could completely fund the development through the early access period. Um, So actually partnering with Epic allows us to do that. We're able to go ahead and say, yes, we can commit to like a full year of constant rich content updates polish and iteration. And then when we finally do bring it to the Steam store, the version that everybody's going to get there is going to be all the better for the time that we spent on it. And that also having it be secure funding means that we can actually hire new team members. Like we hired a phenomenal animator. We've expanded the team's size and scope considerably. So we went from, you know, I think at the time it was like three people working full-time to now we have like five people full-time working on it along with all the resources at Brace Yourself Games that we didn't have access to. We've got, you know, sound and music design, a whole bunch of stuff. So it's pretty nice. Yeah, cool. So it's a fairly standard reasoning for wanting to do that kind of thing. You get the extra funding to <laughs> and the scope and the team and all that. But it's still really nice that you guys are super interactive with the player base. Like I know you've been hanging out and chatting mm-hmm. to the testers a lot, and it's really nice that you've still got that sort of small team indie ethos. Yeah, we like being, um, even all the way back when your Tartar Gun works, we like being very open with development and yeah so that's a nice thing that we've been able to carry over with brace yourself they're they're very open as well i've bought into industries of titan so i've noticed Mm. that brace yourself games does like to interact with their people and and their players and i love that so i i was also curious to know like so right now you guys are running a closed alpha right you guys have a small group of alpha alpha testers and i know that you're going to be releasing into like quote-unquote early access or like a open beta on epic soon right yeah actually we just announced the date which is going to be november 16th and that's our initial early access release yeah it's pretty exciting we're working very hard to sort of like uh, put the finishing touches on the game and polish everything up before release and so with that i know for me in particular when i buy into (laughs) an early beta like that I like to see roadmaps, you know, like just or at least loose mm. details of what the player can expect or what the buyer can expect. Do you guys expect to put out something like that so that the the player base knows what's coming and maybe what's, you know, in the scope and what's kind of maybe outside the scope of oh, player yeah. feedback? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um we're still working out the exact details of when everything is going to come down the pipeline, like, you know, when we are actually going to release each one of the milestone updates that we have planned, but we're aiming for a cadence that's very much like what we did with Industries of Titan, where we're going to be doing monthly releases and themed updates, lots of content. But yeah, we're actually going to be publishing a roadmap once we kind of solidify things. I think what we're going to do is just after the initial launch, we're just going to be keeping an eye on what is the highest priority, quality of life stuff, any major bugs that we somehow didn't discover and QA testing, all that kind of stuff that's going to be launch support. Uh, And then once that's done, then we can transition to like getting back to adding all kinds of cool new stuff to the game. Everyone set up for the long haul, so to speak. A question I have too is where would people go about leaving feedback? So I know that, you know, many developers, they they, they look to Steam normally, right? But you guys are on Epic. So Mm -hmm. if people are to play and provide feedback, do you guys look at your Discord more or are you more into the forums or do you do a little bit of both? Yeah, so uh, the Discord is really good because we actually can chat with people directly and they can actually stream the game for us. And it's so valuable to be able to see 
exactly what they're struggling with and to have a conversation with somebody and be like, Hey, so what is it you're struggling with? And then they can be like, Oh, I'm doing this. And you can see exactly what it is, diagnose the bug without all of that desynchronized back and forth. Cause like sometimes when you get a forum post, there's not enough information and then you've got to leave the message and you got to hope they get back to you. And it can really draw the timetable on this stuff. So it's nice to just be able to have a conversation with somebody on discord. That's my personal preferred way to do it. But um, some people leave us like long form article style feedback with like pictures and video and stuff. And that's like a really great format to have that in, um, in the forums. You know, they each have their strengths. Yeah, cool. Well, we've been sharing plenty of that. So I just thought I'd sort of start diving into the mechanics of the game. Yeah. Um, so originally you had the interleave turn-based system in the original version. And then obviously since the game has been completely overhauled, that's changed. And now you've got the Wigo, the timeline system, and it plays out faster. And I mean, even in the simultaneous turn-based sort of sub-genre, it's still quite unique, I think, from everything I've played mm-hmm. anyway. What prompted you to change the system and was it something that you always wanted to implement or is it a new thing that you just came up with since overhauling it? Right. So it came from the motivation of wanting things to be as cinematic as possible. And it was actually a very incremental design iteration that got us to the point where we are now. Um, We had started with this idea of, okay, like as we started adding more and more units to the game, um, turn-based combat can really slow down. So You know, if you wanted to do this asymmetric combat where you have a few mech units against a lot of enemies, you run into the situation where the pacing really grinds to a halt. You know, if you're up against, let's say, 20 enemy units, the last thing you want to do is sort of wait for every single one of them to take their turn bopping you, right? So we kept trying to find ways of speeding this up, doing things like micro turns or you know, interleaving it to where you take a turn, the enemy takes a turn, like individual unit interleaving, um, shortening the combat animations, and even doing things uh, with like interruptions where, you know, somebody was doing something, you could like catch them and shoot them in the middle of a turn, sort of like overwatches and stuff. So we're trying to like, within the framework of a turn-based game, solve these issues, but like it really never felt like you were taking part in this chaotic you know, mech battle, like you would see if you're watching a mech anime, right? Like it never felt like that. So the goal with the redesign was like, okay, how can we make that work? And we started seeing that a continuous system, something like an RTS started to make a lot more sense where you could give orders to the units and play them back. But like, it became somewhat problematic trying to deal with like information density and previewing where the enemies were going to be and like how do you visualize this in a way that's easy to digest so a lot of the innovations that we came with the current system were all how do we deal with this and we got into this term of like what if we slice the turns like really 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 small so we ended up slicing the turns to be like you know a fraction of a second and then like strung them all up into a timeline Uh, and then you could start scrubbing through the timeline and we were able to move from that to just like this continuous physically simulated motion and that really allowed us to do i think a lot of things that you just can't do in a turn-based game because everything is atomic like you can't really have your mech trip over a tank in real time and like plow through a building and have the building fall on them Um, and we can do that with the system yeah hopefully that answers your question i think it's a it's a cool subject yeah, I think it's great. I think it's like Sean said, it's really unique. And even among the like Wego systems, and mm. I, I think 
something that I really wanted to ask you was, um, you know, a part of that that combat system, that timeline system, revolves around your mechs having this like cool technology that allows you to mm. predict enemy movements, right? And and to see the attacks. And I think when both Sean and I were talking about it at first, we we're like, man, that that feels like it would be overpowered. But somehow you guys have managed to make it work really well. How do you think you guys managed to do that? Like, what is it about the system and what is it about the way you designed it that makes it not overpowered that you have a five second heads up on what's going on? Yeah, well, you're you're partially completely outnumbered in most cases. You're outgunned. You know, you're up against an entire army um, with only a few mech pilots. So how you you can't you can't beat them in a stand up fight. Um, you have to be ducking behind cover. You need to jump out at the right time, flank them. You know, if if you know with this information that you have that the enemy is going to be targeting one of your mechs, you can send your other mech around and flank them. And you can also do like really cool things with coordinated motion where, you know, one mech is charging down an ally uh, alley with his um, shield deployed and the other mech's running behind him in the shadow of his cover. Uh, so like a lot of really cool sort of naturalistic tactics just sort of evolve. Uh, and it lets the player feel like very empowered and very creative in how they're able to go about the problem. It's it's not like a puzzle game where, you know, there's an optimal solution to it. It's more like an engineering puzzle. Here is the problem you've got to solve of these enemy units. And you can spend your uh, integrity, you can spend the resources of your mechs or the fatigue of your pilots to try to solve this problem. Um, how you do it is completely up to you based on the team that you put together. So it's very open-ended, very much more on the simulation side. And we're constantly kind of surprised by what players have done with this system. Um, for instance, we had basic collisions, you know, because now that we're moving things all together simultaneously, two mechs can't occupy the same point in space at the same time. So, okay, let's let's make them crash and then let's have a way of determining which mech actually wins the crash. But very soon we had things where people were like, their mech would get damaged and they would run at full speed at another mech and eject at the last second and the out of control mech would just go like tumbling into the other mech and smash him into a building. And all these like really fun sort of emergent gameplay stuff started popping out. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's a fun engineering puzzle and that's why it's not overwhelming to be presented with, you know, so many enemies that you need to worry about. Yeah, and I was thinking related to the way that the enemies interact with each other and the engineering puzzles, the environmental destruction and interaction with the environment in the game is really cool too. So I was wondering if you could tell us about how the environmental destruction works and if you think there's going to be extra stuff added to the system later on, like environmental hazards or uh, weather events, things like that. Oh, yeah, we would love to get into really polishing it up with like different biomes and environments and backgrounds and like weather conditions and night and day. And, you know, because we've got like this whole robust simulation of the overworld that's happening. And then you go into these little combat instances and combat maps where you actually fight things out. But we're trying to link them together in as meaningful ways as possible, you know, where you actually fight and stuff. Part of that's just a content problem. We just need to have the time to add like a lot of different types of maps and things like that. But yeah, that's the direction that we want to go in. Definitely. Yeah. And in my time with playing with it, I, I also noticed that, you know, there was something that kind of caught me off guard because I didn't really notice it at first. And now that I've gotten to play it and I've realized the game mechanics play out this way is the heat dissipation element, right? Like, so mm. you, as you're fighting off, like you can't just keep firing at your enemy, right? You have to consider how 
how, basically how hot your mechs are getting, right? And I really like that because it does, again, it creates another strategic element, another tactical element where you're considering not only how many times you can fire before you start to get hot, maybe, you know, you fire off a couple rounds and you move so that you can get out of the way before you start having to, to dissipate heat. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit more about that element too? Is that something that you guys always wanted to do? Or is that something that, you know, you were thinking, wow, this, this would make sense kind of in the, in the lore of the world you guys have created? Yeah. So one of the things that um, has been sort of a major shift in the game is that when we first did the original version of Vanter Brigade, it was very much inspired by like tabletop battle tech and classic tabletop RPGs. So, you know, like the mechs had internal subsystems and armor plating and rounds could like detonate inside your mech. And it was like really super chunky in a way that was really fun. But you could do that because like every gunshot was this moment that happens. It's very clearly delineated. But now, you know, you're weaving through an AA tank's fire and there's like hundreds of rounds on screen. And that kind of detail just doesn't make sense anymore because there's no way to really surface it. So we definitely went into this design idea of trying to simplify the complexity, but focusing on having as much depth as possible. Um, So that's the direction that we've been trying to go with all of this. So one of the reasons that we went into this direction with the heat is that with the trying to reduce the complexity, we got into a situation where you could basically fire all the time. And it was optimal to do so. There was no reason to not just fire constantly. And that's not a very interesting problem to solve. We actually wanted you to like duck behind cover, decide when you want to pop out. And that's why the heat came in. The heat was there to actually deal with that problem, right? Specifically. That does make sense to me, right? So like, I I can imagine that an overpowering strategy would just to be literally just keep firing at your enemies, right? There would be nothing to stop you from doing that. So having that heat element, you know, again, like I said, it creates a tactical thought that you have to consider, you know, Mm -hmm. Hey, I can fire off a couple rounds, make a move. And then, you know, again, you're, you're, you're considering the fact that your mech's going to have to vent, right. And, and, at some point in a combat that it always happens, at least maybe just because I'm awful at it, but you know, you're having to consider when that may happen and, you know, Mm. and weigh the balance, right? Because there's the great thing about what I love about your UI is that it gives you a percentage, right? You're like, you know, after you've fired three times, you're at like a 36% chance of needing to vent at that point. Um, And, you know, and it, it, it also, it creates a little bit of, randomness too because sometimes that 36 percent is all it needs and you're stuck all of a sudden but other times you can get away with it so it's it's kind of fun to balance the the risk there and and sometimes there is a reward of being able to take that extra shot yeah interestingly enough we're iterating on the heat right now and we probably are going to change how that works leading up to release because we found that the unpredictability of shutting down is actually kind of frustrating um so we might go with something that is more of a soft limit in the sense that like, you know, you can redline your mech, but you're going to start damaging the mech and you're going to start um, potentially hurting your pilot, which is a risk that will start playing out um, longer term on the campaign map and stuff like that. So a little bit more like interesting systemic trade-offs that should hopefully solve the the problem. Because right now it kind of doesn't necessarily feel good because you can have like a 5% 5% chance to overheat, right? And you think that's really low, but you know, you roll a d20 and that's going to happen pretty often, uh, especially with, you know, how many turns you get in this game and stuff like that and how fast-paced combat is. 
I'd, I'd actually agree with that. I think that it's more fun for a player to have a better understanding of why things are happening and to be able mm. to prevent them a little bit better, right? Like RNG is fun to, to a point, right? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, and I think that, you know, having soft repercussions for, for maybe, you know, taking risks are a little bit more fun than, you know, hard repercussions. You know, there's been times where yeah. in, in my play testing, I've, I've, you know, been in a combat where, you know, things are going really well, but then all of a sudden I am venting in the middle of a battle and a heated battle. And that unfortunately leads to my demise. And I'm like, Oh no, that's not, that's not the way I wanted those. To, that's a go. And yeah, yeah I, I could imagine, you know, having a system like you were talking about actually sounds much cooler. And I, I, for one, would agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I think this kind of sums up our development philosophy. So, you know, we put the game out there. We've been playtesting it. We listen to feedback and we say, hey, you know, like, all right, is this actually achieving what we want from a design standpoint? And then if it's not, we we change it. Um, and in this case, what we want is for you to make interesting decisions. Like, do I think I can redline my mech? You know, I'm a little bit damaged. Maybe this is a bit of a risk. And then you end up melting down your mech, you know, you're not like, oh, I got a bad dice roll. It was like, well, that was a risky move, couldn't earn that one. You know, uh, and I think that's a lot more interesting and, and meaningful of a play experience to have than um, being surprised at your unluckiness. Yeah, so a big one I wanted to ask about as well was the weapon systems in the game, because, I mean, all your mm -hmm. mechs are walking around with the weapons. So, like, you've got your ranged weapons, your rifles and shotguns, and then you've got shields yeah. for defense and melee weapons. I uh, just wanted to ask about how those systems work and what you guys, if you guys plan to iterate on them in the future. Oh, yeah. Um, we actually have an entire sprint in the roadmap that is just dedicated to expanding our weapon selection. Um, so right now we've got basically standard ballistic weapons and we've got some swords and some other basic melee weapons but we really want to like flesh out melee and we want to introduce different types of weapons like we have some gifs and screenshots you've probably seen of missile systems and those are like 90-ish percent done but we just ended up cutting them for early access because while we might have been able to cram it in there. We didn't want it to release in a way that wasn't up to our standards. So we're just going to take a little time, do it right and bring it in and have like a really cool update with missiles and all kinds of new weapon systems that will really add to the way that you can play the game. Because we want to we want to get into kind of all the stuff that you know and love from mechs, you know, pile bunkers, cluster missiles, rockets, you know, like all that good stuff. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Bring back the missile launches. And it's like with the systems, you know, you've got the leveling systems and then like you pick up the loot at different levels with different stats. One thing I wanted to ask about was the concussive damage system. Is it sort of like modeled off other pilot injury systems or is that it's just a completely new concept? Yeah, so the the pilot um, concussion damage, um, how it kind of works is that your pilots get fatigued. Like uh, part of the core conceit of Phantom Brigade is that you have this prediction technology, but you can't be everywhere at once. So you've got to make decisions about where you want to go. Do you, know, do you need supplies? I'm going to go after a supply convoy. I'm going to try to fall back to friendly territory to let my pilots rest or try to keep pushing. So the more fatigued your pilots are, the more exhausted they are, the easier they are to get knocked out in the cockpit. And then if they get knocked out, they're out of the battle. So you've got to try to balance you know, how beat up your pilots are getting and you can also use this against the enemy so if there's a mech you really want 
um, you actually get majority of your gear from salvaged enemy equipment. So you can try to flank the enemy pilot, shoot them in their pilot capsule, that kind of stuff, knock the pilot out, and then you're able to get much better loot from the mech. But of course, you're making combat harder on yourself and you're making, you're kind of like risking getting destroyed or waiting too long and having reinforcements come and, and these sort of things. So it's a bit of a risk reward trade-off. Um, that's kind of the point of the concussion system. And we're, we're still working on that. We're actually going to do some major changes before release that are coming in the next few days. Yeah, right. The other one I've been really enjoying, as you know, is the melee combat system, uh, charging around with weapons and just beating up and knocking them into buildings and stuff. I know there's some, uh, there is some stuff that you guys have in the works. Just wanted to get an idea of how it works at the moment and what, how you want to keep going with that in the future. Yeah, so melee, it turns out, in a game like this is extremely complicated. Because um, we, we had tried, like, initial naive implementations of just like, okay, you know, if you're close enough to them, you can sort of um, just kind of like turn in place and give them a whack. But I don't know, it never felt like super cool. So we actually added dashing to the game. So now you're able to dash and use that to kind of get out of the way uh, or get into cover if you're exposed and out in the open during your turn. You can use a dash, burn some heat, and get behind a building. Um, we were able to use that to allow you to do like a freeform targeted melee attack. So you can actually target the enemy and melee almost works kind of like a ranged attack in that you you line up your attack vector and you actually activate your, your jets. You like zoom over there, nail them and... Uh, it's almost like mech jousting, I think is the best way to put it. It's it's kind of a strange thing to describe, but you're almost like jousting with the enemy mechs as you pass by them. And you can knock them down and smash them into buildings. And yeah, the UI for it is still, I don't know, I wouldn't say that I'm quite happy with it yet, but we're going to constantly keep iterating on it and use player feedback to make that UI process even nicer. Because we want to be able to do things like Kool-Aid man your way through a building into another mech and stuff, you know? <laughs> that's the, that is the best description i can imagine yes yeah, we, I wanna... we've got like this this super cool real-time destructive system where you can like carve a hole through a building and walk through you got a kool-aid man your mac it's just uh yes please iconic <laughs> please <laughs> that sounds too cool not to be able to do that oh yeah i can't wait or like dashing through a building you're gonna take some damage but yeah it's a cool moment you know surprise shoot him down in an alleyway or something. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Hmm. Cool. And then the other thing, uh, obviously, the ma another major part of the game would be involving the armor systems. Like at the moment, you've got a bunch of different armor suited for oh, different yeah. roles. Like you've got heavy armor, as you know, I'm enjoying playing the thick boys. <laughs> so you got heavy yeah. armor for close range and then light armor for sniping roles. So how in-depth is the customization intended to be? And it, what are you guys planning to add in the way of armor sets, maybe make it mod like more modifiable, that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. So um, basically like low level and basic equipment is all fused together. So you just kind of like swap the entire part. The mechs have this internal armature sort of like a um, interconnection system that they use for all the parts and you just kind of put the parts onto this frame all the basic stuff you just swap the thing all at once and you know getting a new part is got its new stats it's got the systems all built in <laughs> and we sort of ease you into customization so if you're somebody who's not interested in getting like really in depth and you just want to you know make the numbers go up you can just pick a part and put it on um, the more advanced gear 
you actually start getting internal subsystems. And that could be things like, you know, uh, armor for your pilot capsule or different boosters and equipment and stuff like that that affects the performance of your mech. Now, the mechs don't have clearly defined roles, like how fast they are is actually determined by how powerful your reactor is in relation to the like total load weight of your mech, that sort of thing. So it's all kind of simulated and systemic and you see, you know, the stats changing. Um, but for people who are really into customization, we want to have that in-depth customization to get in there and dial into the subsystems at like an almost armored core level of excessive customization, but still make it approachable for folks who just want to like build a cool mech, paint it a nice color, go out and smash some people through buildings, you know, it's fine. Yeah, it sounds like me, but mm. I, I do wonder because when you have that much customization, there has to be like, and I'm sure you guys are watching this as you go through your alpha and then yeah. of course into your beta, open beta early access period. But there has to have been at least one or two people who have come up with builds that are like unstoppable, right? Or have you guys managed to kind of keep that under control? Um, for the most part, it's been under control. Like there, there's already a lot of contention about like, what is the best way to design a mech? And, you know, like a bunch of people are arguing that like, you know, my strategy of mechs being super fast and dashing around like an anime character is the the best way, you know? Um, and other people are like, no, no, you got to build the, the biggest, chunkiest mech possible and just like eat, eat shotgun blasts to the face and, you know, deck them. And the fact that there is this sort of like, dialogue and contention, I think is a good thing, because it means that people are able to find, you know, ways that they like to engage with the game, ways they like to customize their mechs and run their squads and, and synergize. And since this is a single player game, you know, as long as you're having fun, and you're enjoying yourself and constantly being challenged, building cool mechs, I think that's kind of the point. Yeah, and I would agree that, that that contention is important too, because if there were just one way to build a mech every time, then that gets really boring. Yeah. But if there's exactly. a variety of a variety of ways to make a mech that meets the enemy in the correct way and, and can actually, you know, hold its own, that becomes way more fun and you know, that that definitely sounds more appealing to me too. So Yeah, we're hoping to maintain that as we expand the customization systems. But yeah, it's very much like a you know, you can go as deep as you want. Like if you want to get in there and like get into the subsystems, you can, if you don't care about that, you can just get the pre-built parts and they come with subsystems, but then you can take them out and swap them and customize them later if you want. Right. And if we could just move on to the, I wanted to cover the overworld, like the world map as well, the, hmm. the strategic sure. layer. So in the overworld, you're controlling a mobile base that you move through enemy regions in real time and you in real time attack the enemy bases and engage patrols. Uh, what else can you currently do in the overworld and what sort of iterations do you plan to make on the strategy layer? Yeah, the strategy layer is sort of just the framework right now. And what you do is you move the base around the map. You can actually detect enemy squads. They'll come after you. Um, you can choose to fight them or if you have um, smoke charges, you can basically fire out decoys and lose them. Um, but also while you're playing, we do have like an entire system of narrative events. Like you can discover places, you know, artifacts from the old war. Like you can come across like the location of an enemy compound or interact with the civilians and, you know, give them supplies and exchange for information, all this kind of stuff. Um, some of the content's a little thin on that right now, but we're working really hard to flesh those things out as much as possible. 
So there's going to be quite a lot to do, you know, the, all of the narratives, sort of like choose your own adventure aspects that come in with these narrative events, um, as well as, you know, chasing down convoys, trying to find hidden loot caches. And then the main gameplay sort of revolves around trying to liberate the various provinces of your home country. And what happens there is that as you as you fight and win battles, you sort of inspire the populace to rise up with their own militia and hold that territory for you. And that lets you kind of go off and attack the next province on the front line, right? That's kind of like the the core gameplay loop right now. And we really want to start getting into, we have an entire sprint where we're getting into pilot customization. That's not going to be in for early access, but like pilots are going to be really important, how your pilots like evolve and grow over the course of the campaign um, is going to be another major aspect of it. Yeah, that's kind of where we want to go and sort of where we're at right now. So how much will the AI provide pressure in return? So is there are there certain thresholds at which point the, the like the enemy combatants will maybe launch their own invasion force mm-hmm. against you again? Or are are they mostly passive and trying to hold back what they've got? I mean, is, is, is it get to a point where maybe you've taken 30%, 40% of the, their territory that they're like, okay, they start ramping things up and now they see mm-hmm. you as the threat that you're clearly becoming and maybe start invading on their own? Or, I mean, how, how does that work? Yeah, so basically um, they will send counterattack squads, which are like really nasty higher level units that will come and try to retake the areas that they've lost in the provinces that are under your control. And you've got to make the decision, like, do I want to go and fight them off and try to like save these townspeople that are holding the line? Um, or do you have something else that's more important to you to go do? So we're still working on all that, but uh, the idea is definitely that the enemy commander AI for like their forces as a whole is going to be very proactive. Like if you attack a convoy or something in their territory, they'll send nearby squads to go investigate and those will start hunting you down. So there, there's already like some level of cat and mouse um, when you're in enemy territory. And we really want to make it feel like the enemy provinces are kind of unsafe and you're sort of sneaking around trying to like undermine what they're doing. I love that idea. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the AI war games, but there's, there's oh, yeah. two. Yeah. So like that, that whole, like, you know, overwhelming force that you're, you're up against and you know, the, the fact that you have to make tough decisions like that. Right. So sometimes you're like, Oh no, I'll just leave. I'll let them have that system because you know, there's too much and I'm, I'm going to lose too much of my forces, but like if, yeah. And, and to think that, you know, you guys will implement these very powerful forces that are, you know, maybe doing things that you don't want them to do, mm-hmm. but sometimes you have to make the hard decision to maybe just let them do it so that you can win the overall battle. Right. And yeah, yeah, that, I love that idea. That's great. Are you, are you familiar? Do you play like the um, sub simulations at all? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Like silent hunter and I, it's actually kind of inspired by that because um, I mean, I'm, we're not quite there yet. But the idea is that you're sort of like sneaking into the enemy territory. You know, you got to watch out for them scouting you, finding your location, sending people to go hunt you. Very much like a sub would sneak into a port or start, you know, sneaking in and going after juicy convoys that have um, wonderful mech parts that you want to get your hands on, you know. And then you use that stuff that you've stolen and, you know, you snuck in there and grabbed to 
start taking back your your territory and undermining the enemy forces. So that's the direction we're trying to go into. And, you know, I don't want to oversell the the current version of early access, of course, but that's, you know, where we're trying to get. And I, I think the campaign's pretty interesting as it is, and we're only going to make it better in time. Okay, so there's the exciting news that as of about, it was only a few hours ago, actually, Phantom Brigade now has the official early access release date on November the 16th. Do you have an idea of what you want to do, like add between now and then? And is there any sort of a super vague roadmap for what you'd like to do in early access, just to give an idea of what's coming in the future? Um, Yeah, so I'll try to answer both those questions as best as I can. So like right now, we're just really trying to take everything that we currently have in the game and just tune it up that take the existing mechanics we have make them feel better fix any kind of bugs stabilize our saving and loading system and make sure that you know we have like a really good foundation to build the rest of the game off of and i think we've already got enough content there that'll keep people interested until we're able to add more cool new stuff um, every month during the early access period. And it's very much like a sandbox game. So as we add new things, it'll just get seeded into your campaign. You'll start seeing new armor sets, new gear, new weapons popping up organically because they'll be equipped on the enemy and then you can you can capture them. So yeah, just going to be polishing things up. We're not adding really any new features at this point and anything we didn't get in, we're just waiting to, to add after early access. So in terms of like roadmap, I can only speak tentatively, um, because we kind of want to play it by ear a little bit, but we're going to focus on stability, quality of life, and anything that is really high priority um, in the very first updates, because we're also going to be moving into the holiday season after um, early access. And then from there, we're probably going to be looking at getting into, uh, we have it called the arsenal upgrade, which is going to be adding in missiles, fleshing out the different weapon types, adding a lot of new weapon models to the game. And we're going to be trickling in like armor sets and gear steadily through the entire course of the early access period, new narrative events, new interesting things to happen, site types, that sort of thing, mission scenarios. Um, and then we also want to get into pilots. That's our big thing. Like the the pilots are very basic at this point, but the pilots are actually intended to be characters and like a persistent um, progression. So the mech suits are almost like your armor. They don't change. You just equip them with better gear and stuff, but the pilots are actually going to be growing and evolving over the course of the campaign. And we want you to be able to customize them, have a lot of agency and actually start telling uh, a story with them. So that's what we're going to do when we get into the pilots arc. And then after we finish the pilots arc, we want to get into this, um, sort of concept of like a a nemesis system. It's something that we've wanted for the game all along is that we would use all the character systems we built for your pilots along with the enemy pilots in that, you know, they'll like remember you, they'll come back later, you'll have mechs that you've fought multiple times, the enemies can eject and you can go after them, that sort of thing. Um, So we really want to start fleshing out those like emergent narrative storytelling aspects that can come in with having the enemy pilots being persistent characters who can get more powerful, get better mechs with better gear, come out and actually hunt you on the overworld and stuff like that. I think will lead to some really exciting gameplay. Anything beyond that point is speculation, um, I would say, but that's the things that are concrete on our um, timeline for the time being. 
with that being said, I have a couple questions before we wrap this up. And first mm. of all, when you talk about replayability, I was just curious to know, are procedural maps like procedural strategy maps in the works? Or is that something you guys have considered? Because I know that that, of course, would add some replayability to the game, of course. Yeah, so the the homeland is like a very authored piece of content. Like we have this beautiful map that we're putting together that's going to look really nice. It's a very unique sort of setting. So I don't think that's going to change. Um, it's possible we could release different maps or even generate them. Um, but for now, we want to, like the actual topology of the world is fixed. What's not fixed is where are the cities, where are the bases, where are the squads, the patrols, like all that stuff um, is generated and going to be different based on your seed. So that that's kind of where the procedural generation is coming in. And we, we sort of use procedural generation when we can to sort of um, make our jobs easier and increase the replayability, but we try not to use it over like ethereal intent of our artists. Like we want our artists to use procedural generation to be faster and more efficient and spend their time doing the things that actually matter to make it like unique and interesting and not, not doing the busy work, but not, not completely generating everything. Right. So like a nice balance is what we're aiming for. Yeah. I can appreciate that. I think, you know, I, I maybe I just haven't played it enough, but I didn't realize how important the, the actual map is. And of course, if you've got a, a, a map that is important to the story you're telling, then of course, procedural map generation doesn't make much sense. So yeah. 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 Um, one other question I have for you too, and maybe this is kind of like a wrap up question, but you know, who would you say this game should appeal to? I mean, what, what audience are you after with Phantom Brigade? Oh man. Um, people who like mechs, people who like customizing <laughs> mechs and playing them and, you know, folks who like seeing their plans come to fruition, you know, thinking and reasoning. Cause it's not like a Twitch based skill game. You know, if you want to like make your own mecha anime and like make these cool cinematic moments of mechs like dashing around blowing each other up then this is the game for you um that's kind of the audience that we're, we're aiming for yeah yeah i think personally i'm really looking forward to it like i really enjoy jumping into the super deep tactical combat like it's giving me frozen synapse battlestar galactica kind of vibes and it gets just the depth and complexity it really appeals to me personally yeah i'm i'm pretty excited with how it's coming along and i'm eager to show it to the world and see what they think yeah i'm eager too i think that you know unfortunately i haven't really heard i mean at least in my circles right i haven't heard too many people talking about it but once i think you guys get out to early access and some video and stuff like that comes out they're gonna see how amazing this is and you know i i know i'm kind of nda'd i don't even know <laughs> i don't know where it starts or ends but you know from my experience with the game i've really just i i can see that this is something that's going to be really truly special and that's why we wanted to get you on the show and and talk to you about it and maybe get a little bit more exposure to it because i think mm. you know a lot of people don't know about it and when they do know about it they're going to say wow look at this and i really have to you know I, my hat's off to you guys with the the timeline stuff the timeline combat i think it's great i think it's a really unique mechanic that's that is cerebral in a lot of ways it makes me think about what i'm going to do and and again i think with that and combining the heat dissipation stuff you know it really creates a lot of fun moments for me and, and i've been having a lot of fun i can't wait to see how it ends up you know being received into early access and when you start to add more content to it so adelaide thank you so much for joining us tonight it's really awesome to talk to you yeah thank you so much for having me it's been a lot of fun and sean thanks for being here buddy i appreciate it 
Yeah, it's all good. Thanks for having me. I'm just glad we managed to uh, sit down and have a chat about Phantom Brigade. Yeah, again, like I said, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. It'll be a game that we talk about here on Explomated, I'm sure, 100%. And again, Adelaide, thanks for everything, and good luck to you in your future development. All right, thanks so much. This was Rob and Sean and Adelaide for Explominate, and until next time, keep exploring.